Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Jimmy, we've got a cautionary tale today. We've got to start off with some concern. Um, something you and I have seen too many times. And for any of our listeners out there, they will immediately think of a company that they know of that does this. Let's let's call the company Acme Company. We want to save our friends any embarrassment because we love people. We love who we get to work with. And if you have this problem we're about to describe, you need to know it's not that you're a bad leader, you haven't failed you just got to watch out for it and make sure you're doing what's next. So if you're going to understand this cautionary tale, we got to introduce to you a process of three stages today. Now, before I even tell you what these stages are, here's what this tale we've seen play out many times takes us to. Imagine a company that has had growth year over year the last three years. It's exciting. They're celebrated in their industry. They get marketing awards that they hang on their wall. They're feeling really good, but they don't know danger is lurking around the corner. It's building underneath the surface. Why? Here's the big problem. Their sales effort or process, the goals that they're crushing, are built around heroism rather than systemic processes. You say, Chris, but we're getting the results. Why does it matter? Why is that bad? Jimmy, how many times have we seen this where a company is carried by the efforts of a few superstars who are knocking it out of the park, right? Yeah, and so many businesses depend on those heroes, right? So we have we have 10 salespeople. We might have two that we count on, and the leader every quarter hits up one or both of those folks to bail them out of a dreary number because the rest the rest of the team just hasn't picked up yeah and they and they play into that part and they play into that part because hey it feels good to win it feels good to be dependent on but nobody is watching out for what happens so we could call stage one where you're unaware it's blissful ignorance it's the achilles stage so we got to throw it back old school to some Greek mythology to get our wisdom today. So when I say Achilles, we're thinking of that character from the Greek poems in history who was the superstar salesperson, right? right. They he could was the, take he was it. the warrior. He was the warrior. He right. could take it and turn that red light into a green light, as they say. Right. He could take opportunities and expand them, delivers and delivers and delivers is celebrated and cheered on. He or she crushes. There may be multiple ones. But what happens is so dangerous about stage one is you're getting the results, but
but you're not aware of the trouble that's coming around the corner. And we get to that trouble in a minute, but this is the blissful ignorance, right? This is the stage where you're like, hey, I feel good. I'm going to bed and things are taken care of, not knowing what's really about to happen. Well, how many? Well, it, I'll tell you what, Chris. Though, I mean, speaking speaking as someone who who was that person and may still be that person today, uh, it's 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 it's. I mean, the blissful ignorance is accurate, but it's happening. In my case, it was happening because I was just being who I was. Hmm. I mean, Achilles was a natural born warrior. He was it, and many of us, men and women alike, we feel like when we when we put on our cap and strap on all of our equipment and we go to and we go to war as salespeople, we are doing what we were born to do. It's like there's no rush that's greater. We love to play the game. We love the thrill of the win. We love the compensation and the rewards and we love the recognition and we live for that. We feed on that. And in the moment we never think anything of it because we're just being who we are. We're actually we actually feel like we're optimizing ourselves. Mm. In that in that role, I love that. I was about to say I love cracking the code. I love talking to people over and over and seeing the patterns and figuring out, you know. And so yeah, we're being who we are. We're we're optimizing, and that's why we said no shame. You're in stage one. You can't help it. This is something that you step into as a part of growth. Without awareness, it's the blissful ignorance. Uh, you are in a place of great success and simultaneously great danger. You say. How could that be? How is it possible? Well, it's not hard to imagine what the next stage is if you know the story. And this is where we want to spend a chunk of our time. Stage two, right? That's the Trojan War. Something gets snuck in to this giant horse (laughs) that took the city (laughs) down, that took Achilles down. I mean, what are the things right now that could sneak into your market, could sneak into your business, could sneak into anything that you're seeking to make an impact or change or grow in your business that you didn't see coming. You know, a conversation that I referenced that I had earlier today with some of the changes in the way that digital ads work and how it was affecting a business that I had spoken to. They, you know, that wasn't on their radar two years ago. Oh, well, they should have had a business that wasn't platform dependent. Well, you know, yeah, there right. could be some wisdom in that, but you know, there's so many tentacles and connection points, and so many people are affected. So, what you what what you have a hard time doing when you're in stage one, the blissful ignorance, is wrapping your mind around what could go wrong, because that's the whole point. It catches you off guard. You go, I could have never imagined this happening. Yeah, well, that's because you didn't think about what could go <laughs> well, wrong, and we can forecast well, some of that today. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, sales people, sales leaders, we are, by virtue of the work that we do, we are bound by a commitment to focus on monthly, quarterly deliverables. So we are asked to be the tip of the spear. We are asked to be those belly-to-belly, hand-to-hand combat type folks. And again, I hate I'm using all these war analogies because we're talking about Achilles. Uh, but that's also what we're paid to do, right? So, you know, so that's that's one side of the story. The other side of the story, Chris, is, you know, it's not just 
you know, what's happening around us. It's happening. It's about what's happening inside us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Achilles had a natural flaw. Every human being has 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 to be in balance to be effective. And the natural flaw that salespeople experience, and I can speak personally about this, is what about what's happening inside when you are when you are relied upon for heroic effort after heroic effort? What kind of stress does that create inside you? And what kind of, and at what cost? Mm. Well, and that's what we talk about even at a, a massive level with all leaders. That cost, everyone has their insecurities. Everyone has their flaws. Everyone has their challenges. You know, everybody has an Achilles heel in the way that they approach their mission, their decision making. What are the things that trip you up, that cause you to overcompensate, that go too hard or you go too soft or you move too fast or you make a false move or you move too slow? All of these things, we all have them. And the change does start on the inside. And if you don't pay attention to when you're in that blissful ignorance stage, you figure out what it is, or at least it confronts you. You may still ignore it in stage two. When your plan doesn't go like you wanted it to, when the plan gets thwarted, you know, the Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth. When something goes wrong, when there's the challenge to what you saw developing, something got snuck in. And whatever, whatever was snuck in, you know, it's, it's obvious looking back. It, it wasn't just an empty horse. <laughs> whatever got snuck in, it's what exposes the Achilles, it exposes the Achilles heel. It exposes the struggle. It exposes the insecurity. It exposes if you took on too much risk. It exposes if you missed opportunities because you didn't risk enough. You know, we're talking at a high level with any business there, but specifically in sales, it shows where the breakdown occurs. Where do, where did we miss whatever this um, process or approach or system could have clued us into? We depended instead on heroics right. so this and this go ahead go back keep going baby i'm just excited yeah well i mean that's because <laughs> i'm tracking with you if we can catch people in the blissful ignorance stage that's amazing because they're willing to get their hands around the future but that's very hard it usually takes people hitting a pain point where the threshold of and i love your approach and process on this uh when the threshold of complacency you know, breaks and it's too painful to not change. Right. But the experience in most organizations, when we have a hero that burns out or we have a heroic effort that no longer works because the market has shifted Mm -hmm. and now people are looking for the answers. um, Most organizations, most leaders today do not look at the systems as the, as a, for the answer they they think about replacing the individual <laughs> or they think about kicking the individual in the ass giving the individual some like you know some perfunctory type uh pip or they send them to some you know wasted time training that really isn't going to address the issue they they treat the the core issue with a superficial solution and superficial attention and they end up just repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And we don't ever get to an organization that really has the, the potential or has the ability to realize its full potential as a growth company. Yeah. I think that's such a huge thing to highlight. We could highlight a number of 
faulty approaches once they've moved into stage two. Yeah, I'm dealing with the person and, and rather than understanding what's the systemic approach surround them, surrounding them, uh, an inability to accept the reality of the changing market, right? I'm not really owning whatever is happening uh, in regards to the specific market your business is in. I'm continuing to trick myself and try to think from a fantasy standpoint of thinking that it'll go back to the way it was, and it never does. Um, there was a powerful line on the most recent uh, Succession episode. Are you watching that show by chance, Succession? We, um, I think we did it. Is it still going? Is it yeah, still yeah. in new episodes? So it's new episodes. That's right. We did talk about this. So, so it's got new episodes now for the fall and this isn't giving away plot lines. Cause I've seen people, you know, they're listening to a podcast <laughs> and they're like, don't ruin it. I'm not going to give anything away, but just one line that, uh, the main character says, uh, you know, the lines are moving every day, something like that. You know, this, it's constantly changing and, and, and he has clearly, uh, some dysfunctional patterns, but also this instinct for how the dynamics are constantly evolving. And what's happening when you're in stage two and something has snuck in unaware, you have a hard time really grasping what reality is. You think reality is, I got to kick that person in the ass and get him going or whatever. You meet some another superstar <laughs> and you think, mm. man, if I could get them on the team. You're at a conference and you start talking to them and you start to daydream about it and you get on the phone with somebody in your financial team and you're like, we just got to figure out how to get them here. What you're doing is you're just going to circle back around to stage one. You're never going to leave stage two. Isn't that crazy how you've seen that happen? They're in stage two. They could break through to the third stage. We haven't told you what the third stage is. We're going to tell you in a minute. But they just loop back around and get back to an approach built on heroics, hype, pressure, always trying to, to get back on that treadmill. And that's a key way that you know that you've failed the test of stage two because you didn't isolate a, a real systemic change, a real systemic cause. Instead, you went back to the approach and you depend on another Achilles and you're going to have another Trojan War. You're going to have another mm -hmm. house. A horse sneaks something in. Yeah. So basically stage one, you know, we are this natural born warrior and we are, we are out doing our thing. We are achieving success, but what kind of success is it? Is it a, is it a, a false success? Is it a short lived success? Is it one that's bound to um, disintegrate? I mean, how would you describe it? It is successful as long as, because I wouldn't say it's bound to disintegrate. Okay. It's successful as long as there's no volatility, uncertainty, complexity, or ambiguity in what you're doing. In other words, in some crazy anomaly, you're not in what the military calls a VUCA world. You have some kind of space that's been carved out that, you know, does that happen in some rare instances? Yes. Would it be anybody listening to this podcast? Absolutely not. We're all, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a small business right. in a town of 30,000 people that's carved out some kind of, you know, something. Right. Uh, yeah. And, is, and, and history books are littered with, with companies that have tried to stay the course, have ignored the, uh, the need to change and, uh, you know, 
The Titanic is unsinkable. Carcasses. They're just yeah. carcasses out there. The Titanic is unsinkable. No, it's not. This city can't be defeated. Yes, it can. A Trojan horse just snuck in all that, all those warriors. Well, so, uh, so it sounds like then stage two. I mean, Achilles dies. The yeah. <laughs> stage two. We don't have to. We don't have to die. The businesses have to die. The team doesn't have to die. But it sounds like stage two for us is just this. This realization. We come to this realization typically because we hit bottom in some way, but but it snaps us to attention and it captures our awareness that we are in this limbo moment. Is that fair? That's it. Yeah. Something dies in stage two. Something does. What The way you wanted it to play out. Or else we couldn't move on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something dies. Now, you don't have to go to the funeral. You can ignore the funeral, go back to stage one and depend on another Achilles something else propped up. If you have the funeral, if you fully own whatever changed, whatever died, whatever isn't working, and I miss small stuff, you know? Why did I have a conversation earlier today with a business and they're like, sweet, we'll let you know in a few days, you know? I'm like, well, why didn't they say right now? I'm learning. What can I, how can I be fully attached to reality at all times? That's the stage two. It's like, okay, how did this happen? What's the thing that we are letting go of? What's the thing that's passing away? And once we do that, we're ready to transition to stage three. All right, man. Lay it off, man. What's stage three? <laughs> so, so stage three. Stage three is the fun stage. This is where we get to experience the impact of what we learned in the Trojan horse stage. So stage three is the wins. It's winning. It's meaningful success. I'm getting where I want to go and how I want to get there. I'm not depending on heroic job descriptions. I'm not depending on heroic people. It's healthy leaders, scalable teams, and growth cultures that make up this whole picture that we've talked about on some of the other episodes. And specifically, the reason we call this the winning stage, it's the wins model. You're not depending on the heroic efforts of a few in your sales approach or process. It's a systemic approach where people are trained to consistently deliver, as you like to say, the predictable success. And I don't have to go out and be on the lookout for some superstars that we build around. Our whole team can be superstars in their own ways. That's stage three. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, uh, it's critical. We see this as a critical um, cycle, like value cycle, value chain for organizations, for every organization. I mean, specifically, you know, venture back startups or young organizations that were founded by a core team that with great skills and a, and a great amount of adaptability. Uh, and this team is able to put forth heroic efforts, is more than happy to work. 12, 14-hour days, seven days a week to make something happen. Um, and as they're making things happen, they're being rewarded by that short-term success, but they also have to be have the awareness to, to pull back and focus on the systems that are going to create that foundation for additional growth. And that happens when a $140 billion company launches a new business unit or decides to take a $4 billion unit uh, or business unit uh, and turn that into a growth organization. 
Uh, so for any organization that's pursuing change, yes, we want we don't want to discourage the heroic efforts, but we also don't want to burn them out and force them into a limbo moment that could have unknown cost to the organization. We want to support them with systematic approaches to driving growth um, so that so that we're supporting them. They have they have tools to leverage and now they can reach and redefine their potential over and over again as they come to work every day and as they put the energy into solving the problems that the business faces. Yeah. Well, and, and if we don't, we can support we need to do that, and if we don't support them, obviously that's terrible. But we can't false re- we can't rescue them in a false way or in a codependent mm. way, you know. And that's the thing that what what stage two forces you to do is to mature and grow up and evolve around some things that you've been missing. So stage three, you've got now a mature, elevated approach, where where we're all doing our part in our ways to contribute to the overall success. And it's painful because none of this has anything to do with the size of a business. I mean, it's painful to see businesses be successful and know they're in stage one and no pain is coming their way that does not have to come their way because they're dependent on, you know, the CEO's energy and what they've done to, you know, rescue the numbers uh, Mm -hmm. with, with the sales approach near the end of the year or certain stars on the sales team. I mean, it doesn't matter the size of company. I can think across the board when the company is focused on the heroic efforts versus the overall systemic training and approach. Um, and you can throw money at the problem and try to solve it and, this, and, and, and you stay in stage one. It takes a lot of courage and money to solve it in stage two so that you can stay in that stage three place, enduring. It keeps going over and over and over again. Over time, can you drift back to stage one? Sure. If somebody is not at the helm watching it, looking for what it means to have repeatable practices that people are being trained in, the vision can always drift. How do you recognize it's drifted? When you're showing the warning signs of stage one. You're overly depending on, overly dependent on, someone's efforts. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about this. Um, you know, let's say that we recognize uh, this pattern in our organization, um, and let's let's think about a CEO listening to this podcast. What steps can they take? Um, what's the programmatic approach to? understanding this and then taking action. And again, we're thinking, I'm I'm assuming that we can take or they can take incremental steps to addressing versus a big bang. What have you seen in the clients you've worked with? Well, you know, we're usually coming at it from the leadership development angle. So I want to flip the question right back to you and ask about sales in just a second. But from a leadership development standpoint, um, you know that you're, you're, somebody is waking up and paying attention when they are seeing leaders um, emphasize, we define it as three marks of a healthy culture, a growth culture, a vision that is clear and resonant emotionally, the values and strategy that go with it. So, so clear vision, 
it, in other words, there's a focused environment. There is a unified environment. We're healthy relationally. Do we agree on everything? No. But we're not in a, we're not in a place of forced unity. But we're not in a place of open, rife political chaos or conflict either. So we have a unified environment and then we have an adaptive environment. We aren't just changing to change, but we're upgrading our approaches and systems as we need to. So for us, the markers are focused, unified, adaptive. Those are the three big ones. You learn how to watch for those and pay attention to those. Everything builds to that. That's your growth culture. Now for you, yeah. I can imagine how specific the answer would be and I, I want to hear it. What are those things <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you asked yourself that same question and pointed it at sales? Well, I appreciate kicking it back to me, but I have to, I just have to put myself in the mindset of the CEO listening to what you just said, right? So, you know, focused vision, right? So there are, there are degrees of quality mm -hmm. of focus and vision. So um, if I'm, if I'm concerned about the heroic efforts and I know that we don't have the systems in place to make things happen and I look at my vision or focus, how do I know um, that it's that it's not detailed enough, not inspiring enough? And then when I think about the unification, you know, I don't, as a CEO, I could see to myself, I don't force people to follow me, but maybe I do, maybe I do in that unseen hidden area behind the shadows, maybe I do have a culture where people are afraid to speak up because of, because they want to keep their job, because of intimidation, because Whenever they do speak up, they're shut down. They're, those kinds of behaviors exist, and then and so on. I mean, can you give yeah. us a sense of, yeah, you know, where the degrees are? Yeah, if they can't say back to you what they do, how it's measured, and how it fits in the overall vision, you have a ton of room to grow, and that's virtually that's just rare, you know. So it's an early mark of vision is how sick of saying it are you because you've right. got to be saying it a ton for it to be heard and you want to say it in fresh ways but still you got to be saying it a ton and if you don't feel like you're a little bit sick of saying it you're not communicating it enough if you're sitting down in the chair and going man when am i gonna to have to how many times am i gonna to have to cast this vision when are they gonna get it you're way away from the vision being clear so when they can say it back to you for relationships or the unity when people can speak their disagreements without it becoming personal. So we can be connected as people, but there's an environment where I can speak up about how I would do it different, how I would go, you know, in a, in a maybe a completely different direction with it, or I would just improve it a little bit. Uh, one of the best markers I've ever heard on this, and I picked this up years ago, I want to know what you're complaining about at home. When your head hits the pillow at night and you're talking to your partner, your spouse or whatever, what's the thing that you're saying there? If we're hearing it at work, we have, a, we have an environment of unity. We're not afraid to speak the things that are said in private. Um, and, and so that's the clear marker there. And then for systems or the adaptability, uh, are we getting the results we want? If we're not, then there has to be change. And that's, it's very results focused. <laughs> right. 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 Um, no, it's awesome. And, you know, this idea of saying it so often that you're sick, maybe sick of saying it or sick of hearing yourself say it. Um, 
totally get it because if you're not if it's not it's a communication issue you come up with it yes but how many organizations have you been part of that have spent a year or more fine-tuning a mission and vision um, articulating their core values putting them on their website or putting them on the wall and then never revisiting them and and never drawing attention to in this situation this core value uh, is being challenged or has been broken mm-hmm. um, you know if you're if so forget about being sick of saying it if you're if you if you know that you're not reinforcing these things and you think you have them then you can't just expect it to happen by osmosis people are every member of your organization is going to revert back to their own equilibrium as they come to work and as they operate within your organization so you may have a great structure hidden in a book someplace but you're going to have every individual employee doing what they think is best and by definition not leveraging a predictable pattern of success not creating the leverage not enforcing a system that will get your organization where you want it to go. It's the only thing that holds the line. You, If you said to me, Chris, here's a snapshot of our culture, I would say, great, it's irrelevant. Because that snapshot, it's like if I take, take a picture of myself, a second later it might resemble me, but I've changed. And it's hard to measure this with culture, but change is continually happening. And as change is continually happening, we have to watch out for what kind of environment we're in. Are we in an environment where we're depending on an Achilles? Are we in an environment where we're de- where we're dealing with this, the, the pain that was snuck in, the Trojan horse, or are we in an environment of meaningful success? And the only way you're going to get to stage three is the intentional choosing and building of healthy leaders, scalable teams, and growth cultures. And then we get to have fun. Stage three. Yeah. Yeah. So from a sales perspective, um, you know, we tend to think about, we use a metaphor, this idea of a growth engine. Uh, I love the metaphor because it's a great physical example of a system Mm. that can work. And it doesn't matter what kind of engine it is, whether it's in a rocket ship or a a car doesn't matter if it's gas fueled or electric though i know you have some feelings about <laughs> about the metaphor which we can get into for sure um, but you know the engine the engine analogy applies to an organization for us in a very specific way the engine includes leaders people and systems and when you have leaders and people leveraging heroic efforts without or executing heroic efforts without the system, then there is no leverage. It's just us breaking our back every day to get things done. When you include the system, now you generate leverage because now instead of just leaders and people um, committing or doing whatever it takes, so there's this commitment to do whatever it takes to be successful, they're making a commitment now to leverage those predictable patterns of success that we've identified and um reinforced and built into the organization so leaders people and systems is the engine and when we think about getting there we've had the opportunity to go back and look at 15 years of customer experience and you know talk to 
our best customers and look at those customer interactions, about 10,000 interactions. And we've identified that, you know, the, the, the things that predictably um, deliver on the promise that we're talking about, which is really cool. Uh, and we know that we know, for example, that if you focus on, so I'll just give you some examples. If you focus on strategy, for example, so if you if you take your team as it stands, and you simply look at optimizing the readiness of your team for change, not maybe not because you have a specific change effort in mind, but if your organization is static or um, too rigid it's likely because of the way you've got the organization structured. So we look first off at the readiness of the organization in terms of having the right people in the right roles and holistically looking at how you've organized the company. Because in, in many cases, whether it's a company or it's a division or it's a team, um, oftentimes we just hire people and place them in positions that make sense today. Mm-hmm. But we, we didn't really think about maybe long-term and those people in those positions, their responsibilities and their role definitions evolve over time. And how do we know they're evolving in a place that's really going to create flexibility and adaptability for the company versus that static and staid rigidity that could uh, not allow us to be ready for what the market brings? So that is a precise and accurate defining of I mean, it's datatized. You can look at it of not building something that is hero dependent in person or job description. And I love that because now as you walk, and I know you could walk through a bunch of these, whatever you're walking through, when you're walking through these items, you're actually pointing out. If you don't have these, here's where the Trojan horse is going to get you. Here's where something's <laughs> right. going to sneak in. You're, right. you're, you're, disengaging or disarming the ability for that Trojan horse to be snuck in. So in other words, you're telling me we could save people a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, at least, um, you know, show them where, the, where the pain will come from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of folks. Pain. Right, right. And you can avoid, it can be avoided for sure. Um, you know, in the context of strategy, you can also look at, what it, you know, codifying your operating model and building out accountability frameworks. Those are the next two things that I think have the biggest impact. And when we, when we're able to look at an organization's readiness for change, when we're able to look at just the operating model that's governing how that sales and those customer-facing teams are working and working together, and then thinking about shared accountability frameworks that accountability frameworks that work for sales, but also are shared to some degree with other customer-facing teams. When we can do that, you know, without changing any personnel, without going through training or any of that stuff, we can we can significantly impact revenue and um, performance just by creating that organization. We refer to it as eliminating the shadows that... Um, that uh, prevent us from uh, being effective, that um, create that operational risk for leaders and people. Um, and when we can do that, we can create a great lift um, in our performance that can be then sustained through uh, additional efforts. Shadows are the Achilles heel. That's And yeah. you're shining a light on it. 
Yeah. And it's the equivalent of walking up to Brad Pitt, if we could use this analogy in a terrible way, to the, the movie. Uh, right, <laughs> which and, was not and, a great movie, man. <laughs> and, uh, and walking up to him and just... Yeah, and putting a guard around his heel and just saying, trust me, you need this later. <laughs> right, 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 you, right, right. You look like a wizard or a weirdo, but we know looking back, you're prescient, you know, and that's, you can future-proof the resiliency of a team or a company or an individual by anticipating the shadow. What is personal development? Figuring out what the shadows are, right? So the leadership development, healthy leaders, scalable teams, where are the shadows? Healthy culture, growth cultures, where's the shadows? So, yeah. Yeah, Dude, it's cool stuff. We can have a lot of fun with this story. It's good. And I love the fact that uh, we've brought my heritage into today's conversation. My, yeah, that's my right. My kids are going to love this. Are you, is it making you hungry for olives? <laughs> Look, man, take it easy. <laughs> it made uh, me hungry for olives. Feta <laughs> <laughs> some feta cheese, some ouzo. We'll be in good shape. Yeah, now I'm hungry. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, that's awesome. Well, look, man, I know we could go on and on. Uh, if anybody has any questions about today's topic, hit us up. Our contact info will be in the credits. Chris, it was uh, great connecting with you on this topic today. Thanks for the story, and uh, I look forward to the next time. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.